Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. Happy to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 16. Uh, hands up those that have got a, a real Bible, analog Bible. On it, hands up. Show me the real Christians in the house. Here's the good thing. If you haven't got a Bible, there'll be a Christian nearby and um, they'll probably give you theirs, right? Because it's a generous church. You just heard about Pastor Danny and he's talked about that whole spirit of generosity and stuff. So the cool thing is, if you look next door and someone hasn't got an analog Bible, they've got a digital one. Like they've got a phone, a device, an iPad, and you don't have one, they'll probably just give it to you. So forget yeah, but like the offering was a great opportunity to give and receive, but you've just done very well here in the house of the Lord. So, <laughs> Acts chapter 16, um, today's message is entitled The Midnight Hour, and uh, I could sing it, but you know, don't want to show up the, the team up here, I don't want to do that here today. Um, I found out that God comes through at the midnight hour, or have you heard those Christians that have that lovely cliché? The lovely Christians say, oh, God comes through at the midnight hour. It's all going to be okay. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm going, midnight was a long flipping time ago. <laughs> what the heck happened? Like, what is doing? God, where are you? Um, it's well past then. I, I found out that God rarely, if at all, buys into my sense of timeliness. Where are you, mate? What's going on? He doesn't, he, he doesn't buy into my sense of panic. It doesn't, it doesn't change his course. He is God and his timing is absolutely perfect. And I, but I found in those times where I felt like I'm in the midnight hour, I face the thing that scholars have talked about for centuries about the dark night of the soul. And it's at those times you find out what really is happening. When the rubber hits the road with faith. When the rubber hits the road with difficulty, when the rubber hits the road, what looks like an obstacle can be turned into an opportunity if we actually embrace God in the middle of the midnight hour. It's two guys in jail in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to go into their story. It says once, when, uh, uh, chapter 16 from verse 16, once when we were going to the place of prayer, so the good boys evidently, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Oh, this could get good. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days and finally Paul became so ticked. That's in the Dave Connett translation. We call that the DCT. That he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. <laughs> Better out than in, I say. When owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face authorities. These guys are about to face a massive midnight hour moment and it's not even their fault how many times have I been in a midnight hour, kind of that dark night of the soul, and I have to think, it wasn't anything but my stupidity that got me there. 
But these guys, it's not their stupidity. They're, they're serving God. They're doing the right thing. This girl needs to be set free. So they cast out the demon. It's a good thing to be out. Could you imagine being that midnight hour going, well, it's not my fault that I'm even here. Why, God? Those moments I've found out, if I ask a couple of really key questions, it helps me navigate that difficulty in that midnight hour. The first thing I ask is, God, what have you got here for me? There's something here for me in the middle of this. Here's the second thing I could be asking. Who's the someone that you've got in that midnight hour for me to encounter? It goes on in verse 23. Uh, it says, after they had been severely flogged. Oh, it's getting bad. And they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, so they're not just in jail. This is what happens now. He put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. This is a bad day. This is a terrible day. But if we look at those terrible days and say, God, there must be something in here, in this situation for me. There must be someone in the middle of this situation. And the Bible talks about a whole bunch of things about going through difficult times. And so if my Christianity is oriented towards everything's got to work right, then I've got it somewhat wrong. I don't know if God, when you say yes to Jesus, come into my heart and become a Christian, I don't know if He... Uh, delivers you from the odiferous nature of your armpits. I'm not quite sure if that's your kind of Christianity. Nothing's going to go wrong. It's going to be everything okay. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Well, these guys don't have that kind of theology. They're going in the middle of this. There's got to be something in the middle of this for me. There's got to be someone in the middle of this. Romans 5 talks about that patience produces character. Sometimes new Christians make me sick. They pray and God seems to answer them very quickly, Pastor Danny. Very quickly. Super quick. Yeah, you make me sick. What's God doing? He's building faith. But these days for me, it takes a bit, sometimes it takes a bit of time. What's God doing? He's building character. Because patience produces character. In the book of James, it says, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I want to say to James, shut up, mate. What the flip are you thinking? Count it all joy, what's good for you? Fall, fall into, I don't want to fall into anything. I don't want to fall into a trial, let alone a variety of them. What are you thinking, mate? I don't want to count it all joy. I want to get out of there. I want God to come as like a helicopter. Wicker, 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 come, lift me up. That's what I want. Get to the chopper. That's what I want. Get me out of here. These guys are in the middle of a midnight hour. There's another story, but Jesus is involved this time. The book of John is a biographical account of life with Jesus. And the book of John, chapter 4, we find out, it's, a, it's an interesting situation about the midnight hour. And it starts in verse 4, this story about a woman that Jesus meets up with that he really shouldn't have, by rights and by public convention, um, she was ostracized from her own people, let alone that those people were ostracized from Jesus' people. It's a terrible situation. He shouldn't have been there. She's unclean in so many different ways, according to the old law. Now, it says in verse 4, now he had to go through 
No, no, back to verse four. He had to go through Samaria. Let's just keep it there for a second. Isn't this weird? You should read the Bible and just stop and pause more often. Stop and ask questions because in the middle of asking questions, you'll find answers. It's probably a good idea. Too many Christians are reading their Bible too quick. I've just got to get through my chapter today. No, no, stop and pause and go, God, how does, how does God have to do something? Is he God or not? If there's have to, he has no option. He kind of had to. Oh, flip, I better do what I'm told. Well, that's not really right. So pause and if you dig into this whole thought of he had to go through Samaria, the Greek word is that he was compelled to. It's not that he had to, but in his heart, it's no option. I got to, I'm, I'm compelled to go. This is going to be awesome. And Jesus got a little bit of an advantage. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the alpha and he's the omega. But he was compelled because there was someone in the middle of their midnight hour. There was someone in the middle of their midnight hour, their dark night of the soul. But here's the problem with this. Dark nights of the soul don't always happen in the middle of the night. For this lady, it was in the middle of the day, the stinking hot sun. We read from verse where are we going from? How's five sound? So we came to a set. Thank you. I do appreciate the encouragement. I've got a couple of friends with me all the way from Good Life Church in Newcastle. I've got Dondi and I've got Lily. Lily oversees our worship team and Dondi's our assistant pastor and young adults pastor. So would you give them a welcome? <laughs> I tried to pull a prank on Josh, the driver, this morning and they, I just need to let you know, out of, I, gave them, I gave them a task. I was sorely disappointed at how terribly they did at trying to make up stories for Josh. It's terrible. I'm disappointed. But if you work hard and pray, your midnight hour of the soul could be turned into a glorious, glorious future. Verse 5. Okay, sure, let's get rid of the Bible. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy some food. Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. And how can you ask me for a drink? The Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water. How good is that? Welling up to eternal life. What a great promise. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't have to keep on coming here to, uh, uh, where am I? There she is. Give me this water so I won't get thirsty. I have to keep on coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. This is where he reads her mail. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Her lifestyle that led her to have five ex-husbands and now living with a man who's not a husband was contentious and would have made her an outcast in her own people. 
She is an outcast. You can tell for the fact she's gathering water, not in the cool of the morning with the other women, but in the middle of the day. She's been blocked. She's been shunned. She's been shadow banned on Twitter. But here's the deal. She was the culprit. She would have known better. And this is the person that Jesus was compelled to go and meet. This person in the dark night of her soul was right in the middle of the day and she is the culprit. Jesus had to because this woman was valuable in the eyes of God. She's a child. Here's what it tells me, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how much you knew better, God loves you and He is compelled to make sure that you understand His love and a chance and a hope of living a brilliant life before you get to eternity and the absolute guarantee that you walk into heaven when you do face eternity. Jesus had to because there was a woman who was valuable in the middle of the dark night of her soul. What's her response? Here's her wild response. And I'm not quite sure if she said it sarcastically or she was intrigued, but we read from verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. I don't think it was that way. I can see that you're a prophet. I tend to think she would have been intrigued. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Here's a guy who's just, just told, read her mail. And she starts talking about worship. And this is the point where I pause and go, gee, that escalated quickly. (laughs) Drinking milk was a poor choice. How do we get from, you're a naughty girl, and I'm telling your story, through to, well, you guys worship there and we worship there and what do you reckon? It's because worship is the answer to your dark night of the soul. She's got some questions. She's got some questions about details around that. So she's asking. Like, we worship on the mountain. You guys say we've got to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus answered Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He's going, forget the geography, love. It's the geography of the heart. Forget the location of where you do it. Look at the location of what's coming out of here. You've got to worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come. And I think, Jesus, which is it? Stop speaking of riddles, mate. I have no idea what you're talking about. Is the time coming or is it come? Make up your mind. Isn't it amazing that the midnight hour is right on the cusp of a time that's coming and a time that's actually come? The cusp of your new season is found that in the middle of your midnight hour, you find worship. In the middle of your midnight hour, you will want empathy. I found out you can have empathy or power, but you rarely have both. You want someone to understand. You need God. You need the heart of God in the middle of that situation. You want someone to help you, but you've got the God of eternity there, ready, accessible to be able to help. She's asking about time. And what does Jesus respond? She's asking about worship. Jesus responds with with time. 
You're gonna, time is coming now, it's come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. This is an amazing story. Because I find out that Jesus is actually not looking for worship, He's looking for worshippers. Does Jesus need your worship? Lovely songs today. What about a life of worship? That's absolutely amazing. That'd be awesome. Does Jesus need that? No. Imagine Jesus walking in going, you know what? It's been a rough week, but I'm so glad that City Point Redcliffe is worshipping me. I feel a whole lot better now. So good. It's been a rough week. We've been fighting the devil. You know, COVID still, there's cases around. The devil, he's really hard. He's been having a go. But now you guys have been worshipping me. I'll be fine. I'll make it through another week, I reckon. <laughs> Give me a break. That's not how it works at all. He's not looking for worship. He's looking for worshippers. Why? Why would he be looking for worshippers? Because they're the ones that Jesus is compelled to come and look for. He had to go through Samaria. It was a difficult journey. He went out of his way for this woman. Because she's in the middle of the midnight hour and we're just about to find the answer for the midnight hour is not in actually posting my grievances on Facebook. I reckon if you post your grievances on Facebook, it's like wetting your pants. You feel warm at first and then you just realise you've made a mess. Here's why worship's important in the middle of the midnight hour. Number one is that worship restores sonship. You're a child of God. You're a daughter. You're a son. You're a child of God. And when we realize who He is, then we realize whose we are. It's amazing. He's a good, good Father. It's who He is. It's who He is. It's who He is. And I'm loved by Him. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. He's a good, good father. When I realize who he is, when I put him in his first place, I realize that I'm a child, not just of, I'm a child of the king. This is, we're in a kingdom. This is amazing. This is not just who I am. It's now whose I am. You're counted in the family of God. Could you imagine that? If you go earlier in the story into the gospels, you find out what growing up in the family of God, could you imagine? Because Jesus had like siblings. Could you imagine being James, the brother of Jesus? Would have been a rough life. How many times does James mess up and Joseph of Mary, come in here, mate, let's have a chat. How many times do I have to tell you, if you could just be a little bit more like your big brother Jesus? <laughs> Tough gig. What about my kids come up to me? We've got three boys. Uh, Sam's 19. He, uh, he, he's a very clever kid. He knows everything, but on top of that, he thinks he knows everything. I don't know if you've met one of those 19-year-olds before. I've got Josh, who's 16. Oh, next week, he turns 17. And Josh is, a, Josh is a tank. He's the kid that was born when meat was cheap. And um, I'm hoping he becomes a tight head prop for the Wallabies because Lord knows we could do with some help right now. And then I've got Joel, who just lives to make an entrance. <laughs> the world's his stage, whether he's on one or not. But they all play the favourite game. And they come to my wife Bex and like, Mum, am I your favourite? She goes, you're my favourite. Don't tell the other two. <laughs> and then the other one comes up, am I your favourite? You're my favourite. Don't tell the other two. That's the game she plays with them. They come to me. Dad, am I your favourite? 
I'm like, I won't lie to you like your mother does. <laughs> Lord, this woman you sent me. You know, no, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Your mother's my favorite. Get out of my face, mate. <laughs> Could you imagine growing up with you? Could you imagine being Jesus' dad? Kind of, sort of. Jesus' dad. Get to age 12. They're off at church. They go to the temple. They're hanging out. And then they go a day's journey. That's some commitment to get to the house of the Lord. You just had to come from Deception Bay and you're whinging. Shut up. <laughs> oh, jeez, the traffic was so bad. They'd go a day and then they realize, oh, where's Jesus? Thought he was with you. Thought he was with you. They come back. Could you imagine then, and then, then Joseph starting to pray? <sighs> Dear Heavenly Father, He's a man of prayer, right? He's going to commit this to prayer. Dear forgiving, gracious, merciful Lord. Growing up with Jesus would have been a bit difficult. But here's the good thing is that you get counted in that family. When we worship, we restore sonship. You are a child of the Most High God, and He is the King. When we worship, it restores sonship. When we worship, the next thing it does, it restores lordship. No matter the situation, He is Lord. No matter the situation, I can start to declare the praises of my God. I can start to declare that I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. If He is Lord, then I can declare in the middle of my midnight hour, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It might not look that way and it might not change straight away. But God, in the middle of this midnight hour, God, there's got to be something in it and there's got to be someone in it. Can I see God? Will you show me? Your eyes, because you, God, are Lord. When I worship, it restores sonship, it restores lordship. Here's the third thing it does. It ignites evangelism. When I worship, this girl gets set free. And you're reading John chapter 4, verse 27. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, she was so excited, off she runs. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Worship ignites evangelism. And the cool thing is in a church like this, it's so stupidly easy. I'm just going to go to a QR code and I'm going to save some seats for a Christmas thing. Stop it. Too easy. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite people to be able to fill those seats. Oh, give me something hard to do. I worship God. It restores sonship. It restores lordship. But it ignites evangelism. It's amazing how this happened. Exactly the same story, just a different midnight hour for the guys I started the story with. You know, Paul and Silas are in the jail. Their worship ignited evangelism as well. We read from Acts chapter 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. The other prisoners were listening. Your worship sparks evangelism. The people that don't know Jesus get to the, in the middle of your midnight, so you think you've got to be the plastic, fantastic Christian. It's all good. The Lord's on the throne. 
never had a bad day in my life. You liar. But in the middle of your midnight hour, saying, yeah, this is tough. But my God's on the throne and he's never left, nor will he. He's a good, good father. It's who he is. It's who he is. It's who he is, and I'm loved by him. These guys were in the midnight hour, and they were praising. In the middle of the dark night of the soul, they were praising. In the last 12 months, I've gone through some dark nights of the soul. We had a close family friend situation. It was a child protection matter that just rocked us. My wife's dad has nearly died, I don't know how many times. Last time I was here was to say farewell to my mate Sam. Last two years, my team at Good Life Church has fairly solidly disintegrated. In 2020, 100% of my youth pastors across all of my campuses tapped out, plus campus pastors. It's been some dark nights of the soul. We got to this time last year and Bex ended up in hospital with heart attacks. I'm like, how does that work for the girl who does marathons? Took him a while to work out that under stress, her coronary arteries were spasming and locking. No cholesterol needed, just a stress. And I sat there and I thought, I don't need this in my world. I don't need this. Dark night of the soul. If you worship in the middle of your dark night, it'll restore sonship. If you can realize that, you can realize whose you are and it restores lordship. It ignites evangelism in the middle of the difficult times. It's amazing how many of my friends that don't know Jesus are way more intrigued than they've ever been. You're going through all of that and yet that's, that's what you're saying, that's what you're doing, that's your response. You can praise God for who he is, that's easy. You can praise God for what he's done. That's a thank you, God. That's easy. You can praise God for what he's going to do. But you can praise God despite circumstances. And ladies and gentlemen, that's called a sacrifice of praise. That praise, that worship opens God's next and God's best. is when you declare the praises of your God and you worship Him despite the situation. You speak to the circumstances and the circumstances change. My faith changes the circumstance. I'm not going to let the circumstance change my faith. Come hell or high water, that's not happening. Because He's a good, good Father. It's who He is. It's who He is. And I'm loved by Him. It's who I am. It ignites evangelism and it opens God's next and best. Acts 16 from 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake. Yes, suddenly. Thank you, Lord. Good timing. Well past midnight at this point. Foundations of the prison were shaken at once. All the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains come loose. And the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do? Saved. The woman 
asks about worship and Jesus says there's a time coming and now it is. The cusp of your old season and your new season, the cusp of what you've gone through and what you're about to walk into is your midnight hour where you worship and praise God despite the circumstance. The resources of God are on the other side of step out of the boat. The greatness that God has got for you is on the other side of a praise and a worship to God that flies in the face of the circumstance. The time is coming, but now is where worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. That's a big change. Paul and Silas, despite their situation, there was a sacrifice of praise and then suddenly there's an earthquake. And this is the last thing that happens in your midnight hour when you worship and praise God is that worship releases a generation. Verse 31, they replied after the jailer had said, what must they do to be saved? Paul and Silas replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, not just him, but he and his whole household. When you praise and worship God, despite the circumstance, short sparks evangelism but it sets people free. It releases a generation. There's people on the peninsula that need Jesus. And the pathway is them seeing you in the middle of your midnight hour, saying, if my God before me, then who can be against me? In the middle of the difficulty, looks like an obstacle to say, God must be an opportunity. Because God, in the middle of this, there's always a someone, there's always a something. He's real friends. And I know that he's real because he's literally changed my life. Without God, I'm a mess. Without God, I'm a victim. Without God, I would have repeated the dysfunctional pattern of my family. But someone was compelled. Someone was compelled and then the heart of God in the middle of their difficulty, a girl at school whose life was really messy invited me to a church and I went not because of the church I went because in my head I was thinking hubba bubba ding ding look at the legs on that little thing in the middle of her mess she said do you want to come to my church your worship in the midnight hour will restore sonship, it will restore lordship, it will ignite evangelism. It'll open up God's next and best for your life. And it will release a generation. Come on, City Point. How about you close your eyes, lift your hands to heaven? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well? Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.